Hello everyone and welcome to my table. Today we're going to look at the symbolic meaning of the word water found in the Holy Scriptures. Water represents the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives in that it cleanses, it purifies, it satisfies, it refreshes, it's productive, and it saves us. It's a saving thing and once we're saved, it helps us to grow in the Lord. There are many places in the scripture that uses other words symbolic to water. And I will only give a few of those are my favorite words. The river, a fountain, waves, baptism, both and cleansing rituals, rain, streams, and oceans. My purpose is not to spend a lot of time on baptism, but just to touch on it. We today know that baptism in and of itself does not save us, but it is a confirmation of the conversion that has already taken place inside of us. I believe in believers' baptism. For the Jews, it was of a washing for purification, and it was where a convert to Judaism must also go through this baptism of cleansing and purification. Though I'm not going to say a lot of their customs, I do want to point out that something I found very interesting. God instructed Moses to build a bronze laver, which was located between the porch in the outer court and the altar of sacrifice. The priests had to wash their hands and feet before entering in. Stone vessels were also used in homes for the ritual of washing before entering. Remember when Jesus washed his disciples' feet? They believed that clay or glass vessels were contaminated with impurities and only stone vessels could be used. Well water was not allowed. It had to come from a spring or running stream. They called it, wait for it, wait for it, living water. Where have we heard that before? There is a, an account given in John chapter 4. Now the background is, Jesus and his disciples were going to Galilee. But on their way, Jesus said he had a need to go into Samaria. Now, that's unusual because Jews and Samaritans had nothing to do with each other. In fact, Jewish people would go out of their way to avoid Samaria. But Jesus had a need to go because he had a divine appointment with a woman at the well. So the disciples were gone to get food. And here, listen to the words of Jesus. John four ten. Jesus answered and said to her, if you had known the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And again, John four thirteen and 14, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Everlasting life.
The bodies we live in, yes, they are decaying and they're aging, and one day they will die. In fact, the Word says it's given unto men to die once, and then the judgment seat. But because this body dies, doesn't mean we die. We were born to be eternal in Christ. We have a choice. Are we going to believe in Jesus Christ as the truth and the way and the life to the Father? Are we going to be saved by his blood and what he accomplished for us on the cross? Are we going to choose not to believe? To go on and do the things we normally do and hope that our performance measures up. We're either created for one thing, everlasting life with Christ Jesus our Lord, or eternity in hell. Those are the two options. There's nothing in between. But I want to talk just a minute about what well do we find ourselves drinking out of? Do we find ourselves drinking the well of religion? Religion that is constructed on do's and don'ts and is constructed on performances and behavior, is constructed on following traditions and customs that were established from whoever began that church? Or are we in a relationship? Now, nowhere in a relationship with Jesus Christ are we told to keep on sinning. When we do that, it's because we've chosen to do that. But we have been given power. We've been given the freedom from the bondage of sin into a love relationship. You see, religion can't bring you into that love relationship. Only a, only a relationship with Jesus Christ, that intimacy with him and God the Father brought into his throne room. Oh, what a place that is to be. Or have we found ourselves in the well of validation? What are we seeking from people? Who validates who we are? Is it because they liked all our stuff we posted on social media? Are we looking for that? Oh, oh, why didn't so-and-so like it? Oh, they must not like me. Are we looking in the wrong places and the wrong source? It's time for us to wake up and know. And no, without a shadow of doubt, our validation comes from Jesus Christ and who Christ and who He says we are, not who someone else says and not who we think we are. But I want to go on again to John chapter seven. Now I have to have a background here because Jesus says something very important: a Jewish feast called the Feast of the Tabernacles, took place somewhere uh, spring, summer, I think it was. I might be wrong on that. But when it took place, they lived out in these little makeshift buildings outside their homes because they wanted to remember the time in the wilderness in the day of Moses. At the seventh day, the priest would take a stone vessel filled with living water from a stream, not a well, from a stream or spring, and would carry it into the tabernacle and pour it out onto the altar. And so we find this is where we're at when Jesus 
stood up and says this. It's in John 7, 37 and 38. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And again, in Isaiah 55, there's a call to salvation by Isaiah. And he says, Ho, everyone who thirst, come to the waters. And then again, in Psalm 42, 1 and 2, it quotes, it's, it's as a deer pants at the brook. So our soul thirsts for God. Does your soul thirst for God? Are you hungry for his word? Are you seeking him? Or are you just living your life? Those are questions that I want us to look at. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to let you look at the scripture and to think about the questions I ask and examine your heart. We are constantly to be about examining our heart. But I want to tell you, we're going to move on. Now, I want to ask you this. Are you the type of person when you go to the river or go to the lake or go to the, to the oceans that you just can't wait to jump in and get out over your head? Well, I'm not. I'm quite content with enjoying the sand between my toes and walking on the edge of the water. Edge. We're talking edge of the water. Not to get above, above my ankles. But a lot of people aren't like that, and then some of us are. What can I say? But in Psalms 42.7, it says, Deep calls out to deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. God is calling us. He says, don't stay in the shallow. Come out to the deep. Come deep into me. Let my Holy Spirit move in you as I have taught you to do. Learn more about me. Have you answered the call to go further with God? Do you Are you satisfied with just Sunday morning church service or Wednesday night service? Is that all you need? Let me tell you. We are constantly growing. We should be constantly saying, God, take me closer to you. Take me out into the deep, Father God. Take me out into the deep where, where there's a song about it, where I know no boundaries. So that when I'm out there with you, it's just me and you, God. I'm going to trust you through the waves. I'm going to trust you through the storms. In Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12, and I'm not going to read all of that. But I'm going to tell you just a little bit. There is a vision of the river flowing from inside the temple. As a small flow, very small, underneath the temple. But once it is outside, it first becomes ankle deep, then knee deep, then waist deep, then above his head that what a person would have to swim to get to the other side. You see, the 
the water, that well, that that overflowing of in us is never supposed to be just for the church service. No, honey, it's supposed to go outside the temple. We take that with us. And, and, and you know, people around us will see us moving in the Holy Spirit. Where are we? Are we, are we ankle deep? Where we control it? Are we knee deep? Where we can still control our movements? Are we waist deep and we still have control? Have we gone out over our head when we say, God, I can't control it. You the Holy Spirit in me. Direct my path. Direct my way. And then we find this verse in Ezekiel 47, verse 12. Along the banks of the river on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit each month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. There is healing in this water. Healing, restoration, reconciliation. And we see the same picture that what I just read in Revelation 22, 1 through 2. One final thing about water I want to look at is rain. And let me tell you a little something right here. I live in Tennessee, and if I look at rain one more day, I might scream. I also have said all the rain, the physical rain that we have gotten was spiritual rain. There wouldn't be a person in Knoxville, Tennessee, that wasn't saved. That's how much rain we've had. There have been songs written about the rain of God. There have been preachers who have preached messages of the outpouring of rain. Both the early rain and the latter rain is necessary for the crops to grow for a farmer. And if they want to have a rich crop at harvest, they can't be without the latter rain. If they, if there's no rain in the latter days before harvest, it will wither up and it will waste away. So it is with us spiritually. We need the initial rain the for, uh, that comes when we are saved, and we need the revival rain that comes periodically in our lives. Because we do get stale, don't we? We do, we do kind of get in the habit of not really seeking, but just accepting everything that is as is. There is corporate churches that need his outpouring, his revival reign, that move of God. He pours out into and upon the lives of his people. I believe that in church history, we have had both great and hubs of revivals that brought us, that's us, God's people, to repentance and brought others to salvation. Most of us pray for it, and many of us just going through daily life unaware the need for a revival. There's a scripture in Second Chronicles, I think it's 7.14, it says, if my people will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face and pray, then I will heal 
till their land. Now, most of the time we take that as meaning our nation, whatever nation you live in, because it, it does need healing. We are suffering in a world very much of the devil and world value system is not of God and it does need healing. But it's also our land, our personal home, our people, our family. Those we're connected to on a day-by-day basis. It will heal. There's a healing that comes in repentance. We go through life thinking everything is okay. But in reality, how much of the world is mixed in with our relationship with Jesus? Do we take in the world and say, oh, I'll I'll put that off on Saturday night when I go to church on Sunday morning? You're mixing. You're mixing Christianity with the world. We need in the latter days that we can see that there is a fulfillment coming when Jesus will call his bride home. We need an outpouring, a revival within the body of Christ. And when that happens, the byproduct of it is this. When we leave there revived and revitalized through repentance, then we'll go out and there will be salvation that will come where we go. And we have tuned our mouths off to that. We, we've become leery of sharing Jesus with people, lest we offend someone. Let me share this with you. Jesus offended people when he was alive and walking on this earth. And he says, if they hate you, they'll hate, if they hate me, they'll hate you. The gospel is offensive to those who enjoy their sin. That's just a matter of how it is. But we are the vessels that carry the water of life and we carry the gospel of life with us, not just in our words, but in our actions. How do we treat people? How do we respond to people? Do we get angry and get upset? Oh yeah, honey, I do that. I, I fail so many times at that. I tried not to because we got to learn that little fruit of the spirit that says, control yourself, self-control. I have one more scripture, and it's from Hosea, chapter 6, verse 3. Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. Without pursuing his knowledge, without seeking after him, how can we know? How can we discern what's error and what's truth if we never know the truth? His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like rain, like the latter and former rain to earth. I stand believing that there's going to come a latter-day outpouring on the body of Christ. It will be an outpouring of revival. It will be an outpouring of renewal. It will be an outpouring of refreshing, and it will bring with it salvation. May you drink deeply of the fountain of the living water. And next week, we will talk about wind or fire. I haven't made my decision up on that yet, but one or the other we'll talk about. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Love you. Talk to you again soon.